Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Marvel Disney Plus shows so far. So, so far we've had WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki just recently wrapped up. We're going to be getting the What If series coming up soon here. I think it's either this week or next week. Not sure of the exact dates. I think it's like the 14th or 15th of August. So it's coming up quickly here. But thought we would kind of recap a little bit of, of our thoughts on the first three series so far, some of our thoughts on where we think this may lead into the movies, the next phase of Marvel, and kind of, are these really TV shows? Like, do they work as TV shows, or are they really just kind of mini-movies that Marvel's trying to sell you on <laughs> as a TV show? So we'll get into all of that, but before we do so, I want to touch on some Disney news, which we did get a, a good bit of Disney news in terms of pricing of things this week. So Disney revealed their new annual pass program over at Disneyland. It is called Magic Key is what they're calling it now. It's really not what I expected per se, because when the annual pass went away, they talked about it was going to be this new loyalty program that was going to be something that like rewarded frequent guests. And it seemed like the more you came, the more like discounts or rewards you could get. Um, but it it seems like a pretty straightforward annual pass program. Mm -hmm. There are different tiers that allow you to come more often and give you different discount options, but it's not really like we we joked it was gonna be like a froyo punch card, <laughs> you know, program, but it, it's not that at all. I mean, it seems like a pretty straightforward annual pass. There's one that's only available for Southern uh, California residents. Um, I know that Carly Weisel, I'm sure she's probably written an article by now about it. I know she was posting about it on her Instagram story. So that's a great place to check out for all the nitty gritty details about it. Yeah, and, and some of the details of it, like you mentioned, there is a SoCal-only one. It's called the Imagine level. So they, they call these different levels. So they have Imagine, Enchant, Believe, and Dream. That one's actually the cheapest option. It's $400. How these all work is it's all driven on Park Pass reservations. So reservations are going nowhere because these are all driven off of how many reservations you can hold at one time. Uh, so that, that Imagine one, you can only hold two reservations at a time. Enchant, which is the lowest tier for anybody outside of Southern California, is $649. You can have four reservations at a time. Uh, and then Believe is $949. You can have six reservations at a time. And then Dream, which is the most expensive option at $1,400, also has six reservations at a time. The Dream is the only one that includes parking as well. Yeah, there's, there's various levels of like what includes parking, well, that's 50% the only, parking. That's the only one that yeah, includes Yeah, then I think it drops down to 50% parking yeah. and then no percent yep. parking. And, and, and Dream's also the only one with no blackout dates. The, the cheapest option, the Imagine for SoCal residents, only has 147 days available. And the Enchant has 219 yeah. So there's a lot of blackout dates at those cheaper options. It's, it's basically the summer and weekends is what it seems like in holidays. Yeah. And and it seems pretty comparable to the old passes. There's definitely more blackout dates at those lower tiers, but the uh, the old, you know, top tier annual pass was $1400 as well. That included parking and had similar discounts. So it doesn't seem like there's a huge price hike. I mean, there definitely is some price increases, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised they came back with what seemed to be like a pretty standard annual pass. They did mention very briefly at the bottom of the press release that uh, annual passes over at Walt Disney World will be back on sale in time for the 50th. Um, so that was kind of some news as well. No word on 
what the pricing or what that's going to look like, but it seems like probably next month here, we will get some word on Walt Disney World annual passes. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what they come out with there. Joe and I have been talking about it. Uh, you know, it's never been in the past advantageous for us to get annual passes, but it's almost looking like now, depending on the finances of the situation, it might actually be worthwhile for us to get annual passes. So it might be our first time being annual pass holders. Yeah, we've definitely talked about it, especially uh, now that we have DVC. And if you go for a longer trip, it may be worthwhile. You know, if you're going for four or five days, it's maybe not that much more to get an annual pass. So if you go again, you know, twice a year or something, it may work out. So yeah, I'm interested to see what the pricing works out to be once that comes out. The other big pricing news is we got initial kind of suggested pricing on the Galactic Star Cruiser. So, So Disney released some kind of base pricing. This is for a weeknight in August to September. So this is probably like the minimum pricing that this is going to be. So for two guests, it's going to be $4,800 for the whole experience. So it's $2,400 a person. For three guests, so they say two adults and one child, it's $5,300 total. Uh, And for four guests, and this is all in one room, uh, that's three adults and one child. It's going to be $6,000. And this is in the standard room, so it only goes up from here because they have like a captain's quarters room. So they have you know a little bit bigger rooms. That's going to be more. And again, this is weekday, so I, I know weeknights are going to be more expensive. I imagine the opening few weeks of this thing, when it opens in spring of 2022, I wouldn't be surprised if it's double these prices. <laughs> I mean, if we're looking at you know eight to $10,000, I mean, we, we were expecting this, you know, all, all the rumors were that it was going to be, you know, around $6,000 for this two night experience. Um, so I don't think I was shocked at when these <laughs> prices came out, but it is very expensive. And Disney released an itinerary as well, which yeah. I, I don't want to really necessarily get into the details of it because if you don't want to be you know spoiled about what may happen. But the one thing I noticed about the itinerary is it's really not necessarily two full days. You get in the first day, like mid to late afternoon, Mm -hmm. and you get a dinner and there's some stuff that happens on the ship. And then you basically get one full day, which half of it's in Galaxy's Edge. Which you can get on your own if you purchase a ticket to Hollywood Studios. Right. So, So yeah, part of it is you get to ride Rise of the Resistance and Millennium Falcon, which now that that's been open for a couple years... That's kind of lost a little bit of luster. It, it so it doesn't has, have the same draw. Yeah. Now they, they talk about that there's going to be story elements in Galaxy's Edge when you're over there. I mean, they're really going to have to, I feel like, add a lot there to make it special. And you get a meal at Docking Bay 7, which is included, which again, that's kind of a quick service meal. So I would have liked that if maybe it was a little bit nicer of a, of a lunch meal there. Or, or a sit-down in the Galactic Star Cruiser. I mean... Well, you do get two of those. You get those for dinner. Right, but I don't know. At that price tag, you kind of expect a little more, and Docking Bay 7's not that special. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you expect a little bit more than, than just a quick service for one meal. So yeah, they, they're really going to have to, I think, add some good elements, because then the, the last day you're there is you eat breakfast and you leave. That's how they're kind of getting the two days, because you get the morning of the third day, which kind of covers then that you get in the afternoon of the first day. But it seems like they got a lot. And even on their itinerary, everything's like a half an hour. It's like a half hour increments. It's like you do this 
from you know four to four thirty, and then this is from four thirty to five. And so, I mean, I know it's going to be better. I know like the itinerary is underselling it a bit. That once you're in there, it's going to be immersive, and there's going to be these random elements, and it's a sample itinerary just to give you an idea of what you can do. But it does seem like it's really not like a, a full two day thing, and so from that perspective. I don't know if they cut back on it, but it seems like it is priced a little bit more expensive than maybe what I was expecting in terms of immersion and what you're going to get to do. Yeah. Uh, Joe and I were talking about this, and I think we were, we were of two separate minds about it. Because I know I mentioned, I don't know if I would I would want to be in that first group just to be able to report on it. But I don't know if I'd want to be in that first group because I feel like there's going to be a lot of kinks and a lot of problems with it. And maybe they'll realize, oh, there's not as much here as we need there to be. Um, and then Joe came from the opposite end of that because he was, you know, we were talking about how we just were in Disneyland. And he said, you know what, we got to see the pure imagineering version of Avengers campus. So I think it's really interesting to see. It's kind of, you know, a crapshoot at this point, where, whether I think it's going to be fully fleshed out and really awesome. And then maybe they're like, oh, we can scale this back a little. Or if in the uh, in the opposite way, like I was thinking, maybe they're like, we we need to do more. This isn't enough. It's not it's, the value isn't quite there. So I think it's a really interesting. It's an interesting thing. And I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah. And I will say you know there there is kind of talk that they are you know going to be play testing this with cast members beforehand and kind of working through this because there's a lot of moving parts with things they've never done before because they're going to have a few hundred people that they have to schedule for these experiences so we know you're going to get to wield a lightsaber we know there's going to be a lightsaber training that's that's not a spoiler i mean that's kind of out there but you can't have 200 people all show up at the same time to do this because that's going to be a terrible experience you're going to have to do it in groups of 10 or 15 and they're not going to have enough rooms for everybody to do it. So you're going to have to schedule it that, you know, Angela, you come in at, at 8 o'clock and Joe, you're at 2. But then what are you guys going to be doing the other time? So you still have to have all of the experiences, but at all at different times. So there's definitely a lot of moving parts around here. I would actually argue, and like I kind of argue with you, that the first few weeks, I think, are going to be spot on. Because when this thing opens, and again... I know opening weekend, the first couple cruises of this thing are going to be way more than the forty eight hundred to six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know they're showing you as a baseline pricing. They want this thing to blow people away because if you're going to pay six, eight, ten thousand dollars for this, yeah, and you are not absolutely blown away to the point where this isn't the greatest thing you've ever seen, and mm-hmm. you can go home and just evangelize to everybody about how great it is. It's really going to put a damper on it. So I think they're going to make sure this thing is dialed in and perfect for opening day. But I also think this is one of those things where it's it may get cut back a little bit because these lands, all there's stuff that always changes and some budget cuts happen. But I don't think it will happen as much because they are charging so much for this and it's such a premium experience that they really don't want this to have any sort of black eye to it. Like It, it almost has to maintain itself like galaxy's edge you know if they cut back on some entertainment oh chewbacca's not out as often oh we don't have the roaming droids people are still going to go because you're going to go to hollywood studios it's not going to hurt attendance that much Mm -hmm. but if all of a sudden the lightsaber breaks they don't have the lightsaber experience anymore and you just drop six thousand dollars and you didn't get to do that you're calling up and you want your money back yeah you know and so i think that plays into it as well of how they have to handle this. 
You know, it is interesting. You know, they talked about you can uh, dress up if you want. You don't have to. You don't have to participate in the storyline if you don't which, want to. Which, by the way, they why are you, you paying? Clothes. Yeah. Why are you paying all that money to just be like, this is stupid. Uh, my mom likes Star Wars, but I don't want to be here. Like, man, that kid is not staying with me at that point. Well, <laughs> that's I think, a lot of money. I think what I think what that's for is if you have a kid that's really into star wars and maybe you have one parent that's really Mm. into star wars that the other parent doesn't feel like i can't go yeah you know because that's true again it's definitely price and we kind of talked about this it's almost price to have more people because for two people it's actually the most expensive if you have three adults if you pay you know the price for for four people i think was six thousand dollars but even if you didn't have the kid and you split between three adults, it's like $2,000 a person versus two adults at 2400 So it's definitely priced a little bit more towards families, just you yeah. know, a little bit. That way, the other parent can feel like they can go and be there and see how their kid's enjoying it, you know, how their you know, significant other is enjoying it. But they don't necessarily have to dress up as a Jedi and partake in all these missions. Um, you know, kind of like a cruise. You don't necessarily have to do everything, but you can enjoy pieces of it as you want. I mean, they're definitely trying to sell this. Again, I think the first few ones that, that people go to are going to be great. So that people, you're going to hear great things on social media. It will be interesting to see really how immersive it is because the itinerary, some of the stuff seems kind of light. Like it's like, oh, this is cool, but I don't know that it's that cool that it's worth it you know but to your your point earlier that you mentioned you know if somebody doesn't get to do that that lightsaber experience they're going to want their money back they probably don't want to put everything on that itinerary to guarantee you're going to get something and then then if they can't if they can they fail to deliver in any way um you know anything extra that they provide is a bonus and it's like oh my gosh they went above and beyond whereas they might have have had it planned all along for you to do that but they didn't want to tell you that because if it does, if something falls through and doesn't meet your expectations, it's like no, we gave this to you as extra. Well, that's that's a hundred percent. Like I was saying, I feel like the itinerary is underselling it because the immersion and the interactivity you're going to have with the cast members that are characters on the cruise ship and people in Galaxy's Edge, that's something you can't put into an itinerary. That's just going to happen randomly. That's what the magic of it is. The magic isn't that. Oh, I'm gonna get. I mean, the lightsaber experience is gonna be cool, but the magic isn't like all the little things that they tell you are gonna happen. It's those random encounters that you can seek out if you want to. And so I think it it is going to be better when you're there. Again, I mean, I still want to do it. Like I still, (laughs) yeah, I still want to save up and try it eventually. It has the Westworld appeal. Yeah, yeah, but I do think, like you said, it would be cool to do the first one. But I think that first one's gonna be so expensive. I think we'll kind of wait. Save up our money. I do want to do this eventually, though. I mean, I think it's still going to be pretty awesome. If it's if it's if it was between doing this and being one of the first people and being one of the first people on the new cruise ship, I think the cruise, yeah, would be I better. would definitely yeah. take the cruise ship. And the cruise ship again, I think the pricing is probably cheaper uh-huh. than it is for uh, you know the the Galactic Star Cruiser. So, but again, it sounds pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see you know what happens when uh, these first people come out. This may actually be the one thing that I don't look up. If there's YouTube videos of it, what oh. happens? Because I do oh think, because I do think for this, you want to be surprised. This will be a first. Yeah, I think you want to be surprised on this because it's going to be a one-time thing. When you ride a ride, you know you can always go and do it again. It's sometimes cool to see some of the effects beforehand, 
But this, I feel like, yeah, you want to be in the moment on it. So we'll see. All right, last thing for pricing. Mirrors came out with the pricing for their Mirrors Connect service, which they're going to be continuing January 1st, 2022, after the Magical Express goes away. Um, they kind of have a standard service and an express service. So the standard service sounds most like exactly what Magical Express is like. It's a shared shuttle service uh, with, you know, a maybe a half an hour wait time. And then you'll, you know, you'll go to your hotel, you may stop at a few other hotels. But it is uh, $16 per adult one way, or $32 round trip, uh, and then $13.50 one way or $27 a round trip per child. So for us, you know, it's two adults, it's gonna be $64 round trip, you know, added to our trip. If you were a family of four, you added two kids, it's gonna be 64 for the adults, uh, another 54 for the kids. So you're looking at over $100 uh, round trip for that. If you want the premium service, uh, and this is basically like an express, like a private uh, shuttle. So basically when you get there, they take you to your hotel. It's $200 round trip for up to four passengers. So not maybe quite double the the standard service. So you know if maybe you don't want to wait, maybe it's, it's worth it. Uh, and then it's $55 per additional passenger uh, for that. So a little pricey. I don't know how this necessarily compares to an Uber. I mean, I, I would think we Uba. could probably get an Uber round trip for around that price. I haven't looked that up, you know, from Orlando Airport. Um, but it, yeah, definitely, I mean, a, a significant increase to your trip versus the free Magical Express service. Well, not only that, think about with Uber, what's the availability there too? Exactly. You might have to still wait anyway um, with an Uber. Whereas with the Magical Express, at least then you know when it's going to, it should-ish leave. Right. So, so Disney's dropping this and it's not like they're dropping their hotel prices. You know, they're still making you pay the full price. And then, you know, so you get basically got a $100 benefit uh, that now you have to, you know, pay for yourself. So it'll be interesting, you know, so that this is the pricing kind of, you know, on the service. I imagine it's going to be exactly the same. It'll be interesting to see once this starts, if it is kind of the same service as Magical Express or if it's maybe not as smooth as it mm -hmm. was as Magical Express um, to actually see if, yeah, if it's worth it or if it's just better to get an Uber because maybe Uber will kind of ramp up service or Lyft and stuff because they know, hey, there's going to be more people looking for cars. Uh, maybe that will be more available. I I'm not sure. We'll I see. You know, minivans aren't back yet. I just had this thought. I wonder if Disney doesn't start their own. They start sending the minivans out and if you can book a premium minivan to take you there. Well, they were doing that. I mean, when they had minivans, you could book a minivan uh, service to and from the airport. And I think it was... Uh, for a hundred or two hundred dollars, about like what the the express service mirrors has. Um, so they did have that, and I think that was pretty popular. It does not seem like yeah, minivans are coming back anytime soon. But you're right. I wonder if you know Disney drops the free Magical Express service, but then as we talked about a few episodes ago, they are seem to be you know pricing a lot of people out and doing a lot more top tier services. I mean, just look at the, the Star Wars hotel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they're, they're adding something that's five to $6,000 that, yeah, maybe they bring back their own express shuttle service to say, Hey, if you want to pay us $200, we'll do it for you. But it's the Disney magic and, and they may be able to, you know, get some more business and actually make more money that way than paying for everybody to have a free magical express service. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of pricing news this week. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So my 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 checkbook hurts after this. Yeah, I know. All right. <laughs> so we talked a lot about the news this week. So now let's jump into the Marvel Disney Plus TV shows. Sounds good.
when Disney Plus came out, you know, there was a, a lot of excitement around this that we're going to get more Marvel, more MCU on Disney Plus. They're going to be, you know, TV shows, and it's not just going to be movies. It's going to be exclusive content for Disney Plus, but it's still going to tie into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the shows are going to play into the movies and kind of vice versa. So so far, we've we've got three shows. We've had WandaVision. Uh, which was not originally anticipated to be the first one, but it's the first one that came out due to the <laughs> pandemic and everything, you know, moving around. Uh, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki. So, wait, which one was supposed to be first to come out? I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was originally scheduled to be first, hmm, okay. uh, and then I think it was Wandavision and and Loki. I believe that was the original order. Um, I don't think Wandavision was supposed to necessarily kick it off. Not that the three of them really tie into each other. In any way, I definitely know, you know, Black Widow was supposed to be out before Falcon and the Winter Soldier because there is, and not to get spoilers here for Black Widow, you know, there is a skip ahead. No, there is a character tie in there and the character was supposed to appear in Black Widow first versus uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you've seen that, you could probably kind of figure it out, but not going to explicitly state who that is. So I I think overall, I mean, the, the shows have been good you know wandavision definitely came out of the gate with its sitcom kind of layout moving through the decades each episode um which was really good you know at the end it 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 feels like it it kind of just turned back into like a normal marvel movie you know (laughs) at the end and i feel kind of like falcon and winter soldier did that too it it came out of the gate it was a little bit different. It looked like it was going to maybe tackle some show, social issues a little bit more. And it did. It, it did. But it, at the end, it kind of, they kind of all devolved back into a big epic finale, you know, in the, in the last episode. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of my one thing about all of these shows is that as much as Disney and Marvel is saying this is, a TV show. This is something on Disney plus. This isn't a movie. It's still very much a movie. It's not like when Marvel TV had their shows on Netflix and they were, I think those were 13 episode shows like daredevil and Jessica Jones and stuff. I think those were at least 10 episode seasons. I don't remember the specifics, but it's been a while. Yeah. But those were definitely more built for like an episodic television where it seems like now because it's tied in the movies that they're making a six hour movie that they're breaking up into six, one hour segments or in WandaVision, you know, that was half hour shows. And so there was a, you know, eight episodes there. So it's a four hour movie. So it still very much feels like it's just one story as a large movie that again, it, you know, it maybe starts out different, but then it ultimately kind of devolves into a big, third act, you know, climactic battle. This is where I kind of, I agree with you in that I think that it, they do have very much that still like that very much that Marvel feel, but I still feel like we do get a little bit more of the characters than we're able to get in the movies. But I, I think that you and I were talking about this the other night. The thing that they're not really doing that a lot of TV shows will do is developing side characters. We are basically focused, you know, in WandaVision on Wanda and Vision. And we do get we get some other characters. um, You know, we get the kids and we get Agnes. um, But again, it's it's really laser focused on them with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That one actually has the potential to develop other characters. 
So they introduce Carly, and we do, out of all, I think, the villains of all the shows, we get the background of Carly the most. And I feel like, you know, they do a good job in that show of developing a lot of social issues and the social issues themselves almost become a character. So I think that they do something different with that, that they wouldn't do in a typical movie. But then if you go over to Loki again, you you're focused on Loki and Sylvie. We do get some side characters, Mobius, but it just doesn't feel as strong as another, as a regular TV show. The one thing I will give them though, is a lot of times TV shows don't hit their stride until, you know, second season, third season. Now we don't get that with WandaVision, but maybe we will get more of that side character development in seasons that are to come. I, I do think for that reason, Loki is probably the most promising of the three because that is getting a second season. And I, I do agree with your point that it it is really great on these and and what I've liked the most about them is that you do get a deeper dive into the characters and again you know if you had a six hour movie or you had a four hour movie you're going to get a deeper dive into the characters anyways True. you know it's not necessarily that it is a a tv show or an episodic series that you're getting a deeper dive it's just that you have four six hours plus to kind of you know really examine these characters I, I do like that I think that is what they've done really well is they've taken kind of more of the, the minor Avengers, at least in like Falcon and Winter Soldier and in WandaVision, because obviously Loki's a, you know, a main character. He's a fan, a real fan favorite even before this. But they've taken those characters that have been a bit on the periphery and maybe have been more like sidekicks to, you know, Captain America, you know, some, some of the other Avengers. And they've really given them a deep dive and a voice that now you kind of connect to those characters more. And now yeah. like you're almost looking forward to the next Captain America where Sam's Captain America in right. it. Or now you're looking forward to Dr. Strange because you want to, cause you know, Wanda's going to turn up there and what's going to happen with Wanda, you know, in, in the multiverse. And so it is doing a nice job of feeding into the movies, but yeah, kind of going back to your point on, it seems like because these things were built almost for one season, again, it's just like it seems like it's a one-off movie that they kind of chopped up. I, I do think Loki getting a second season will be good because, like you said, you can expand on the characters. And and to me, that is what it's missing is it's missing these just side storylines. Like if you watch a, a regular TV show, they will spend time on the side characters. It doesn't always have to be about our main character Whereas in these shows, again, if you want to call them a TV show, it's not doing that. Again, I, I kind of keep going back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier because something about that one to me felt a little bit different. It still had the huge cinematic things, um, you know, the huge fight scenes, and it still did feel very much like a movie that they had chopped up. But I really enjoyed the one thing that – and I think that this is, you know, very – it was great on Disney's part to put it in there and it, it is something that should be talked about is that push and pull that a black man would feel with donning the color the, the colors of his nation when he feel like when when the nation hasn't always hasn't been fair so I think that that is building in such a great conflict for the future Captain America and then also making a great social commentary on the whole and drawing attention to something that a lot of people can easily ignore because it doesn't impact them directly. So I think that that to me is the most intriguing thing probably coming out of all of these TV shows is that conflict and what that's going to mean 
going forward for that character and for the MCU in general. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think that's why Marvel was kind of excited to do this because, again, it allowed them to like explore those questions and those issues because, again, that's not something in a two-hour movie you really have time to explore deeply. You can maybe like quickly touch on it, right. but you're not going to be able to really drill into it where you can spend again, you know, an hour or two over two episodes drilling into it, but you still have three or four hours left to kind of move the story. Cause you have to advance the plot as well. And so you can't really do that in a movie and kind of same with Wanda. I mean, you know, they spent three or four episodes in this sitcom world just kind of building up to the fact that like you don't know what's going on and then you find out Wanda's kind of trapped in here and then as the show goes on you know you realize it's it's her dealing with her grief and it it becomes this whole commentary on loss and and grief and you know mental struggles and things and yeah. and you know I, I know a lot of people like that of how they personified that and how they brought that to light and I really do think that that's what they're going for more in these and and I you know, I'm not saying that they're bad. I mean, I think they're all good. Again, yeah, yeah. it's just it, it is it's an interesting, you know, tactic how they've sold it. Like I, I almost feel like to me as a fan watching these, if they're gonna do this as a very cinematic thing, I, I like the deep dives. Like I almost feel like it would be better if they had three hour and a half shows instead of six one hour shows. Because I do feel like on these first you know, three series, they still got caught a little bit where when you're trying to fill six hours or you're trying to fill four hours that you have an episode or two where not much happens. I mean, Loki's a great example. You notice this a lot with Loki. Yeah. On, on the whole episode on Lamentus. I mean, that was a 45 minutes of programming where Loki and Sylvia are on Lamentus and yeah, they kind of connected and some stuff happened, but could that have been a 15 minute thing in a larger episode? Or could you have combined two episodes together and helped you get through it a little bit more, which you know, it's kind of this whole, whole thing on, you know, binge watching. I joke that I love to binge watch episodes, but there, you know, you people talk about that where Netflix shows sometimes, perform better because if you can just go from one episode to the next those slow ones you kind of forget about because you just jump into the next one and then it picks back up whereas if you have to wait from one week to another those episodes where nothing happens you kind of get a little bit frustrated about sometimes i found that with loki in the beginning where you're getting into the lore of what's going on i find i found that really difficult and so being able to watch multiple episodes would have been good because I know when I watch a lot of some especially now with the MCU and how big it is I get confused and wonder am I missing something because I forgot something so that's true there's so much you have to remember that came before and there's a lot of callbacks and easter eggs that yeah if you forget the the movie you're like am I supposed to know that or is that something new that I haven't learned yet yeah so it would be kind of advantageous for a lot of these that you can gloss over those episodes where you're like I don't know what's going on let me get some answers here um it might help the the retention rate because I feel like you had a lot of people I know a lot of people who watched WandaVision who 
are not MCU fans. A lot of people were like, oh, I heard that this is cool. I heard that what they're doing is awesome. And so they had a little bit of that going into Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff. So it's like if they could just binge that and maybe try to figure out what's going on, I think it might be better for Disney to do it that way as opposed to week by week. Well, I do think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the next round of shows because all of these shows were kind of put into production first before any of them came out. Like all three of them were basically done before the first one came out. And so they were kind of going into this just again, probably with the movie mindset that, you know, that's all they'd ever really done before that. This is how we're going to make it. And they had no fan feedback. And so now these shows have come out, they have some fan feedback and it seems like the next round of shows that we're getting. So, you know, they've announced Miss Marvel, we're getting uh, Moon Knight. Um, we're getting She-Hulk. Like, there's some other shows that those feel like those are going to be more strictly Disney Plus shows. That those are going to be built kind of more for multiple seasons. Sure, those characters may show up in a movie, but they're not going to have like their own movie. You know, like like I think Miss Marvel is going to show up in Captain Marvel. And probably Moon Knight shows up somewhere and She-Hulk you know, may show up at some point. But that they are kind of designing those more for like a multi-season television show. Kind of like what they did on Netflix and almost have a crossover on Disney+. And I think approaching it that way will work better. Just because, again, they almost had to start with like the huge characters that you knew to get that buy-in yeah. that this is going to make sense on Disney+. And then now they can, like, what Marvel does well, they go, you know, deep back into the history and find some obscure characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, they do something interesting with them that kind of now that's where you're going to get on Disney+. And maybe you're not going to see... Iron Man on Disney Plus, but you're going to see Iron Heart and you're going to see these other side characters that they're going to build up into something else. I would hope <laughs> my like little fever dreams. I hope that they consult like John Favreau or Dave Filoni on how to do that es- episodic and pull in characters from the lore and because uh, I feel like they they're kind of a masterclass on how to create you know these worlds that you care about. I mean, you know, I talk about this on the podcast all the time that. Star Wars isn't my favorite, but I love The Mandalorian and I love The Bad Batch. Like, I live week to week for those two shows. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think, you know, Marvel knows what they're doing. Again, right. I mean, and I think it's just a matter of how these things were kind of conceived. You know, again, it's we're going to take our major characters and it's going to be a movie feel. Whereas I think now with these new characters, season one is going to kind of just be the origin story of them. And they may pop up in a movie, but then you can have another season where something else happens. You know, again, was we didn't need origin stories for these characters. We knew who they were, and this yeah. was kind of like a one-off thing. I, I like how this was their way to reintroduce Loki back into the yeah. MCU. No, it I was mean- good. I, I think Loki was probably the most influential of the three in terms of the overall MCU, because I think that's the other thing that they need you know, they're walking a fine line with is because like when WandaVision came out, there was so much speculation, and I think that's why you had such buzz about it because week to week everybody's like what's going on who's behind all this there was so much speculation and then in the end it really turned out to be just wanda and falcon and the winter soldier you were starting to get some of that too but i think people were maybe a little bit gun shy after getting burned on wandavision so much and then again it turned out that 
in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it wasn't this crazy, you know, there wasn't new characters coming in. There wasn't new villains. It was a pretty straightforward contained story. And I think Marvel is trying to sell it that you're going to need to watch these shows to know what's happening in the universe. It didn't really necessarily connect that way with those two. And so as a fan, you kind of know, well, nothing too crazy is going to happen because it's just going to be this self-contained story, this one season and the big stuff, you know, the new major villain, that's all going to be in the movie. Whereas Loki really took that leap in that now the multiverse is unleashed. So everything that happens in Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, the rumors of the multiverse in Spider-Man, you know, everything going forward, Kang, you know, is going to be an Ant-Man three. And, you know, he has been rumored to be, you know, kind of the replacement villain for Thanos. That all started with Loki on Disney plus. I mean, that was, I think kind of their biggest swing in terms of having something that is going to ripple through the movies and the MCU for the next decade starting in a Disney plus show. And that one's getting multiple seasons. So I think that's really where now you're starting to see that if they can, you know, filter that out with these other shows. And I want to talk about what I think some of these other shows are building up to, you know, that has been the most interesting thing. Again, I think there were some slow episodes in Loki. It took us a little bit to maybe get there, but that has been the most impactful thing that now, you know, we are seeing this, you know, multiverse and everything that happens after this now is going to be the result of that show. So if you did not watch Loki, you're kind of going to be a little bit behind. Well, what Loki did for me was get me excited because first of all, we get Tom Hiddleston back. That character is just so much fun. He is, he is the MCU's Jack Sparrow. You don't know what he's doing. You don't, I mean, he's even more Jack Sparrow than Jack Sparrow. He is very unpredictable, but he's funny and he has a like a fun sarcasm and a lightness to him. And I think in Kang the Conqueror with Jonathan Majors, you have a villain who is going to rival that. I mean, his Jonathan Majors delivery of his lines and everything in uh, you know the last couple episodes was incredible. And I know you were telling me, I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that a little bit or not, but you were telling me a little bit about how, you know, a lot of that was, they didn't know what he was going to do. They kind of gave him a lot of freedom with it. And because they realized he was doing such a great job acting that. And it was surprising. A lot of it was, was improvised. Yeah. Him like jumping on the table, like not all that was scripted that they kind of gave him some free reign just to kind of take that character wherever he wanted to go with and, it. And his his behavior was so eccentric and interesting and kind of like, you know, whatever, you do whatever. I, I don't really care. Kill me or what. But it made this next phase seem like it is going to be so interesting because he basically tells you what exactly is going to happen. And I'm interested to see what his next incarnation of that character is going to be. Well, it sounds like it's going to be Kang in Ant-Man. We'll see if he shows up beforehand. I will say, I think this next phase is going to be extremely confusing because that was my one thing I was extremely confused about with the whole multiverse and time travel because I kind of feel like they're going back a little bit on what they said in Endgame because in Endgame, they they said, basically, you can't go back and change what already happened which it, is why they couldn't bring Black Widow back. Right. If you go back, it creates a branch reality. So the whole thing was, you know, they couldn't go back and kill Thanos before the snap because it wouldn't 
stop Thanos. It would just create a new reality where Thanos was dead. But in their reality, he still would have succeeded. And so, you know, there's this whole thing, you know, you can't go back and change the past. So it, it seemed odd to me at the end where uh, Sylvie and Loki are at the end of time. They're at the Citadel at the end of time with a version of Kang at the end of the sacred timeline. And that when he dies, now everything's going to start branching. So it seems like they're going back a little bit on whatever happened, happened. Because if it already happened, how's it going to change? So I think we've saw in Endgame how it could potentially change is that there are people time traveling because the Avengers created a branch reality with Loki, which is how we have our Loki. So I think that's, you know, maybe I'm thinking too much into it and maybe it's kind of like, you're confusing me, man. And and maybe, you know, maybe it's a little bit like, Hey, don't think too much into this, but I think you almost have to kind of assume that all of those branch realities are occurring because in the future, when time travel exists, you know, and maybe it's some version of Kang, he's going back in time and creating all of these branch realities. And, and Kang has a very complicated, you know, backstory. There are numerous incarnations of him and he is this time traveling villain who, you know, used the multiverse to his advantage to make sure that he would win. You know, he would, you know, cut these branch realities to make sure that he was victorious, kind of like, the he who remained that we saw at the end of Loki. So it does seem like maybe Marvel's trying to change the time travel rules a little bit now, you know, conveniently. Oh, we need a multiverse. So let's just say, oh, Kang's dead. All of a sudden, all these branch realities are going to happen. Whereas, you know, in Endgame, it was like, oh, no, we can't change the past. It already happened. But now it's like, oh, no, the past is just going to start branching randomly so that we can bring in three versions of Spider Man and we can have the X Men in and it all makes sense now. But I mean, I'm okay with it in the end, but it, it is a little bit, a little bit of a leap. I think for me, it's it to I haven't fully reconciled those two yet. I think they need to be really careful with getting into what I think, as I see, is kind of like a. It's an issue with sci-fi in that sometimes they get so into the how this actually happens that people who go to see a movie and are trying to figure like. If it's oh, you're vital, always going to have people that are going to be like, this doesn't make sense. Here's a plot hole. Well, yeah, if it's vital to the story, though, and you're not understanding it, it's a barrier to entry for future for, for the movies. I mean, yeah, there's big booms and fun stuff like that. But if you're not fundamentally understanding the story, you're going to lose people. Like I know for me, I'm not the kind of person that necessarily will will look something up after a movie, I always have to turn to you and be like, make, please make sense of this for me. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, in Endgame, they did do a decent job with the time travel, where they basically kept it simple of, like, they did hey, a great job. we can't change the past. Anything we do just creates a new reality, so that's why we have to make sure we put the stones back to kind of clip those realities. So, you know, I think with the multiverse, they're kind of doing the same thing, whereas now they're just saying, hey, these other versions exist because now there's branch realities, because there's not a person clipping the timeline there's all these branch realities and now there's just going to be this huge multiverse. So, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think, I mean, again, any of this, you know, time travel, sci-fi stuff, if you really drill down on it at one point, it's not going to make sense because it's made up stuff. You know what I mean? Like time travel is not real, at least that we know of that, you know, it's, it's not going to make sense, but yeah, I, I just found that a little bit interesting. I do think what so far all of these Disney plus shows are doing and I think this may be where Marvel 
is going to be building this Disney Plus universe to kind of maybe be a little bit separate from the cinematic universe is almost a like a Young Avengers, Dark Avengers uh, type storyline because Wanda's children, Billy and Tommy, they become Speed and Wiccan. They're part of the Young Avengers. Uh, Miss Marvel is a member of the Young Avengers. So in Falcon and Winter Soldier, Isaiah Bradley, I believe it's his grandson, uh, Eli, who lives with him. In the comics, uh, he becomes a superhero as well. Oh, yeah. And so, so he was introduced. Actually, a version of Kang is a young Avenger as well. <laughs> um, and you know, we got introduced to a kid version of Loki. You know, he could be an antagonist. And so I, I and really... An alligator version of Loki. Yeah, an alligator version of Loki. <laughs> so I, I really see like the Disney Plus building to potentially a crossover on Disney Plus of Young Avengers. They're kind of planting the seeds in all these stories and then they have a crossover event. They're kind of also starting on the Dark Avengers where you have... Um, oh, you know, boy. kind of the the fake Captain America, you know, over there, and you have Yelena from Black Widow, um, out there as well from the movies that that could be piecing, you know, together as well. There's been rumors of versions of the Dark Avengers or the Thunderbolts, uh, you know, kind of coming up. But I, I really, it really does look like the Young Avengers. I think, or you know, some sort of young superhero team is kind of really coming together because Ironheart is another um, series that they're supposed to be working on and, and that would be another uh, addition to the team as well i don't know what it is about julia louis dreyfus's character valentina allegra de fontaine but i do not like that direction at yeah, it's a, all it's an odd character i i don't like that she's a rec- i don't know what it is but i just don't like the idea that there's like a dark avengers group and i don't like that she got yelena because i really enjoyed her character i want to see her i mean i'm sure she'll eventually end up joining the avengers but it's just something about that character and again i don't read the comic books she might be amazing in the comic books and they might have great plans for it but it to me rings weird yeah her her character is a little bit strange she's kind of out there it is a little bit like hits you off guard She's like, like the Nick Fury of like when you first the bad, see her. The bad side. Yeah, but it's just it's it's just an odd. You're right. It's just an odd character that's just kind of like she just shows she up. She's like a ghost, like, and she almost feels like she doesn't fit in. I think sometimes to like the world of the MCU, like she's almost a little bit like too comedic and just like too off putting. But again, maybe you know as time goes on, that character will grow and. and you know, it, it will kind of make more sense. But I, I really do think, though, like I said, I think the next phase, to your point, going back of you kind of have a hard time remembering what happened before. Yeah. And not even talking about Disney Plus, but even the MCU in general, Marvel does have to kind of play with this a little bit because things are going to get crazy in phase five because if one, we're talking about the multiverse. We're talking about maybe having a young Avengers team. We're talking about maybe having a dark Avengers team. We're talking about having an Avengers team. Plus that there might be X-Men that come in now and Fantastic Four that come in. And there might be three versions of Iron Man. And there might be a couple of versions of Spider-Man in the next movie. That it is going to be so confusing if you are not already a fan. And there's going to be a high barrier to entry. Right. Like anybody who's born after 2010... You have a lot of homework yeah. to do before you can really enter the MCU. I will say to that, though, I don't know that it matters at this point yet because with Endgame, we have ta- we've talked about this, that 
you don't go into Endgame as your first movie. That's not the movie you no. come in on. And that movie made so much money. So yeah. there is clearly that fan base that knows all this stuff. And I mean, just look at the signups and the excitement from all these Disney Plus shows. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, you know, WandaVision was at the top of pop culture. Every day after those episodes aired, there was 30 YouTube videos dissecting every frame from that. The same with Falcon and Winter Soldier. When Loki came out, I mean, that's like every one of these shows has been the most anticipated show. Like the the buzz for the show mm. is outpacing the buzz. And now everybody's excited about the What If series because now the multiverse is real and these are all kind of canonical stories that just happen in different universes. And, you know, there's rumors that uh, Peggy Carter may be coming live action in one of the movies as Captain Carter of what she plays in the What If series. So it just it does build the excitement because there is such a huge fan base that has seen all of these movies that for now I think Marvel's good and they've all read the comic books, you know, so they understand how all this could potentially go. But yeah, you wonder at some point in the next decade, do they need to they're going to need to start cutting some timelines. <laughs> yeah, like do they yeah, like do they need to simplify? And maybe that's what happens. I mean, maybe this next decade is we get the Kang the Conqueror story and it's going to be this huge multiversal thing like he said and it will get the multiversal war and it will end with him integrating to a single timeline but we'll have the X-Men and everybody will be in one timeline now and it will kind of simplify things. I I think you are going to have to go back to that because yeah, otherwise you're right. You're going to, you're going to maybe be 20 years out from the start of this and nobody knew is going to be able to jump in. Cause this is going to be too confusing to understand. We're like, well, what Spider-Man is that one? You know, it's <laughs> like, well, that's this, that's this guy, but he's that, guy, you know, like, and, and it will be a little bit too confusing to handle. But I think for now they're just, they're flying high that they can, you know, do this and, and they're still introducing new characters. So, you could use, you know, you know, if maybe, you know, Shang-Chi is your first movie, he's new to everybody, you know, and you can kind of start fresh and that's how you can kind of jump into the universe and jump off from there. I will say that MCU is getting so big now that our chances of being in the MB MCU are significantly increasing. I think that is true. Yeah. At, at one point, everybody's <laughs> just going to be in this. That's not a bad, that's not a bad, uh, bad thought there. So yeah, exactly. So I think this was kind of good to talk about because it's interesting to see how Marvel's playbook is changing a little bit, how they're trying to integrate the Disney Plus. And it's, you know, we're definitely getting a lot more shows going forward. So it's going to be important going forward, but kind of how this first batch came out, solid shows, but they had some flaws. So it'll be interesting to see how they fix those going forward. And then if they can really keep these integrated and how much this really is going to play into the future like do we really get a young avengers or are they just laying all those seeds and they decide no we don't want to do that there's there's something about whenever you're designing something to be part of something bigger where it always kind of not always but a lot of times feels like that you're leaving something undone there's those pitfalls you have to watch out for and right. i i do think as marvel gets bigger it becomes more difficult to kind of keep all those balls in the air that you don't fall into one of those pitfalls that, that yeah, you don't hold back too much because you're trying to get people to go to the theaters as opposed to watching it on Disney plus and, and you don't put so many Easter eggs in to try to keep, you know, people interested, but then you never pay off on them. And then people get tired of like, well, I'm not going to read into this because 
the 30 things for the past year that I've been trying to read into, nothing's ever come of that. You know, you, you have to balance that payoff with intrigue and everything. And it, 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 just, it just amplifies the more projects you have going on. And so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It'll be interesting to see, too, how the next few movies do at the box office because, I mean, Black Widow has not really done super well at the box office. And so, you know, does Shang-Chi do well? Do Eternals do well? Uh, and kind of things going forward. I will say we are not going to do, when there are 87 movies in the MCU, we are not doing another bracket. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was thinking that we should maybe do another one. We have a four there get to be too many because, yeah, otherwise you're going to have like 100 movies having to rank. <laughs> maybe when they hit 100, we could do like ranking the 100 because that seems like a good number. When they hit a hundred, we got a we got a ways to go till they get. Let to me tell you, but. my brain does not contain that much in it. It's 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 a it's a pretty airy space you'll up be, there. You'll be pulling like ninety just names out of a hat, and then we'll do top ten, and the rest will just be out of a hat, whatever order they are. That yeah. sounds good. So, but I, I think that kind of wraps up. We'd love to hear you know what your thoughts on the Marvel shows are. Again, love watching them; they're great. I kind of wish they just put them all out there so I could binge them. That's kind of a personal thing. But I, I am looking forward to season two of Loki. I'm looking forward to some seeing some of these new characters introduced as a TV show because, like we said, the TV shows allow them to really dig into the characters more. And so I really think... I, I do think they'll shine more as origin stories. Whereas, you know, a two-hour movie, you can get a decent origin story, but like a, a five to six-hour really deep dive origin story, yes, I think you I'm can really get into that. So I really think it will do well for introducing new characters. So really excited to see that. But we'd love to hear, you know, what your thoughts are. Let us know over, over on our Facebook page. We're Enchanted Ears over there. I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it and it really helps. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we will see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.